2: Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
0: Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day, grab and go. Every day, giftable. Every day, fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome, like the new Virginia Lottery scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.
1: For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click slash safety, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
3: Hi, we're here for another episode of Film Study. Uh, this is Ken McCusick. I'm joined today by Frank Platko of Baltimore Beatdown, who's an editor there. And Frank, how are you doing today? pretty good good to be back on
4: thanks for having me
3: life's good and uh, we're we're going to talk about the 2019 Ravens tight ends and their production in 2019 how Frank graded them for the season and also looking into 2020 what the what the Ravens can expect and hope for out of that tight end group which was so pivotal uh, to the Ravens success
4: yeah so uh, just starting off here at the top I haven't done all the grades for every position I'll preface by saying that but I presume that the tight end is the tight ends group is going to end up having the highest average grade, which is which is about what most people would expect. Um, I gave Mark Andrews an A- minus for the year and Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle each B grades. But frankly, either of those could have been higher um, and you'd have a reasonable argument to make there. But uh, you want to start with Andrews first, I guess.
3: Absolutely. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, sir. So um Andrews, obviously, Pro Bowl season, um, took a huge step forward in his second season as most people expected. He was far and away the team's top receiving threat, led the team in basically every receiving category, 64 receptions on the year on 98 targets, 852 receiving yards with 10 touchdowns. Um, I guess if there is one lone blemish, on his on his resume this season was that Seahawks game, which is really just kind of an outlier and puzzling where he dropped, I want to say, at least three to four passes off the top mm-hmm. of my head. And that really that really crushed the team in that game, but they were still able to win regardless. And then not to continue Harvey on the negative too much, and then against the Titans, he had the ball sail off his fingertips and it was intercepted by Kevin Byard. But those were really just alone blemishes on what was far and away a really strong season from the second year tight end.
3: Yeah. Outstanding season like Brown started out fantastic in those first two weeks with 16 out of 17 receptions on the balls thrown to him. It looked like he might really exceed his, his rookie year. I, I liked what he did this year. It's not like I'm I'm good. I'm negative on it, but his rookie year was so outstanding on a per catch basis and a, particularly a per target basis. I don't think he really had as good a year. I know that's going to be a little bit of an unpopular thing given the the, the bump in the yardage but he had a, a team record 11.04 yards per target as a rookie dropped to 8.7 yards per target in his second year. So, uh, and that's a record, any position, any receiving position. Um, and there's it'd only been a couple of guys who'd otherwise been over 10. I think Derek Alexander in 96 or 97 was over 10 and Todd heap in 2010 was over 10. So, uh, it was a really, a, it was a singular rookie year that he'd had. And, you know, it's not that he had a bad year by any stretch. You know, he had 10 touchdowns. He made the Pro Bowl. He played well. I mean, there's lots of things to love about what he did. It's just he wasn't entirely consistent as a receiver, particularly after those first two weeks.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point you bring up. And especially, I mean, I think his season was better on the surface just from an outsider's perspective than necessarily when you dig down deep into the advanced metrics and, and really look at it uh, from from more of an analytical perspective. but. I I think moving forward, particularly next year, there's definitely some room for for mild regression, especially if the team chooses to get uh, Hayden Hurst more involved, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here shortly. But what did you see? um, Curious, from your perspective, what did you see from Andrews as a blocker this season? Because that was obviously a big area that that the team and himself talked about in the offseason about him
3: improving. Yeah, they, surprisingly, Andrews did not play uh, an enormous percentage of snaps. So for the whole year, if you had to guess, what, what what would you say? Without looking, you may have already, in terms of his percentage of snaps.
4: No, I haven't looked, actually. Um, percentage of snaps, I've had to guess, maybe somewhere between 35 to 40? 40, okay. 35, 45.
3: Well, OK, it's 40. It's 41 percent. It was 35 percent in 2018. He's effectively a designated receiver on a lot right. of, you know, pitch and catch downs where they really want to want to take advantage. Um, and they've used Boyle obviously plays a lot higher percentage of snaps than anybody because he's so pivotal to the run game. Hearst plays a fair number of snaps because he's proven to be very valuable in the read option in that V formation. They run a lot. With, uh, you know, three, effectively three backs or two full backs, if you want to think of it in the backfield. Um, uh, anyway, it's a it's a uh, it's it's each of them has their kind of niche. And Andrews is really as a designated receiver. So he's got to be really good at that. Uh, he does not line up in line very often. When he does, it's because they're trying to fool the opponent and run a big, heavy formation. Uh, yeah. It's it's not really his thing uh, to, to be the blocker in this situation. And because of what's happened with him in terms of injuries and because of how much they need him as a receiver, I think it makes sense to have some better defined roles that more exactly fit him.
4: Yeah, it's a good point. And, I mean, it's not necessarily to say that He couldn't block given the opportunity, but for for what he's great, what he's best at and for how desperately the team needs him to be a productive receiver, I think it's best he's best suited, obviously, like you said, to be a designated pass catcher. And I think that's what's so unique about the trio of tight ends is that each of them are they have extreme they have defined roles and they're all very good at different things. And you really don't see that let alone from position groups in general, but especially from tight
3: end rooms um, around the NFL. It's definitely unique. Mm-hmm. The other thing we saw from Andrews a lot is that the Ravens ask him, or maybe I'll say that Jackson relies on him more, to make contested catches. So mm-hmm. he's very comfortable throwing to him in tight space. I think he's true. that's true of Hurst as well, by the way. Uh to throw a ball in tight space, let him make the catch. Andrews uses his body quite well as a as a catcher. He's up there, along with Nick Boyle, is very good at that as well. Uh, in fact, all of the Ravens tight ends are pretty good, but but Andrews is probably the best of the of the three of them as using his body to box out and 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 make a catch. Uh, he really was showing off those first couple of weeks when he caught sixteen out of seventeen. The rest of the year, he was a meh nah, forty eight of eighty one, uh, which is slightly under a sixty percent catch rate. So mm-hmm. That's not what you want from a tight end. Uh, so so the contested catches probably weighed more heavily on what was happening, along with some of the troubles he had with the wet ball that you mentioned with Seattle and other games. Ravens played in a lot of rain this year. Ravens played in a lot of difficult weather for Lamar, frankly. Uh, and and Andrews did not have good games when that was happening.
4: Yeah, and it's obviously, I mean, any for any player, it's about overcoming the uh, oh. adversity, in this case, the poor weather conditions, but... Andrews, at least from my perspective, he doesn't – the Ravens never really asked him to run very complicated routes. It was more so just finding soft spots in the zone. But when he did that, he I mean, I think that's something that, that he's pretty good at. And obviously the chemistry between him and Lamar Jackson, that's something that's been talked up a lot. And it's definitely evident, as we saw at various points throughout the season, when Jackson looks to throw or when he looked to throw, it was – More often than not, it was going Andrew's direction, and considering that other teams knew that he was far and away um, the number one receiving option, the fact that he was still able to put out the production he did, I I think it's impressive, um, at least to a certain extent.
3: Yeah, I I agree with that. That's That's a very valid point. He had 98 targets. On a total, and I want to get, have a snap count here That, as it's presented here on PF Pro Football Reference, you have 457 snaps according to that. That may include penalties. It may not. I don't know. But 98 out of 457 is going to be a far higher percentage, over 20%, more like 22 or something, than any other uh, wide receiver on the Ravens. Most of the most of the Ravens wide receivers would be you know, probably well under 15% uh, in terms of targets divided by snaps. So... Uh, that's a, that's a lot of reliance on one particular receiver. And it, it also means that while you can attack a zone with him, it's harder to play your play action game. I would think to Andrews, because it's just so he's the one guy you really need to cover. And I think that's the point you're making is that if, if he's a designated receiver, you know, he's a guy you, they want to go over, uh, go for, then that makes it more difficult for him to get open.
4: Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. And I mentioned I think there's room for for some regression here moving forward. You could also make the case that if the Ravens are able to add more receiving talent, that Andrews could still still be putting up similar, maybe slightly less numbers. But, I mean, I don't see – I think it's best for the team if they're not relying on him. It's best for everyone involved if they don't have to rely on him as heavily as they did, Um, not just next year but moving forward. But uh, he's definitely just looking forward – He's a he's a candidate for uh, for a contract extension uh, here coming up. What what year is it that he'll be eligible? Is it 2021?
3: Well, I, won't won't be until after 2020 is the earliest it can happen. The Ravens probably wouldn't do it until at least after year year. Um, well, they might do it after year three. It's a, it'd be an early extension. They might do it in season during year four. Either one of those is possible.
4: Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, he's definitely. It's only a second year, and he's he's definitely emerged in the conversation for for being a top five tight end in the league, which is impressive, nonetheless. And I mean, like we mentioned, when you dig down into his deeper stats, maybe a little bit overrated. But all things considered, hard hard to be too too disappointed with the product that he put on the field
3: this season. Yeah, I, I'm not critical at all, and I think there's there's certain things Jackson can do better to manipulate a defense that I think will help Andrews more. And one of them we saw in the Arizona game, he made that great catch down the side. Well, it wasn't a great catch. It was a great ability to get open on the ball down the sidelines against Arizona, which went for the first touchdown in that game. And it it was Jackson's pump fake, which brought the, I forget if it was the corner or the safety up on that side, but there was no one anywhere near to cover Andrews at that point. And that, uh, you know, Jackson needs to do more of that to manipulate defenses. There's some, some things he needs to get better at as a quarterback, um, that while he's excellent and while he did a lot of things a lot better this year, there's still more room for growth for him.
4: Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. But uh, on that same pass you're talking about, I guess Andrews did do a great job, uh, catching an absolutely wide open, wide open catch. So, uh, hats off to him, but do you want to move forward with, with the other tight ends?
3: Please go ahead.
4: Yeah, so next on the list, I had uh, Hayden Hurst, who I gave, as I mentioned, I gave a B grade. But quite frankly, I was really tempted to give him a B plus. I just think, all things considered, given that his number really wasn't called all that often, but at the same time, when it was called, as we talked about with some other pass catchers, he, he really showed flashes of being a reliable pass catcher with the ability to create in space, and seemingly everything that was thrown his way He came down with right. He had 39 targets. He caught 30 of them. And I don't even remember the nine incompletions. I really only remember him catching everything, obviously, literally not everything. But that that's just um, the perception. He has soft hands. And we saw against the Bills when Andrews went down with injury, Hurst stepped up in a big way with the long touchdown pass, which seemingly was the reason that the Ravens were able to win that game. And Hurst, and this has kind of been talked up amongst the media, you have the three tight ends, right? So Andrews is the pass catcher, Boyle is the des- designated quote-unquote blocker, and then Hurst is kind of the perfect mix of both of them because he brings the versatility and ability to block and line up different spaces. But at the same time, he's a, in my opinion, he's a comparable pass catcher to Andrews, at least in terms of skill set and ability.
3: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think he's got a lot of that that those qualities. In the Buffalo game, I mean, one of the interesting things was that he achieved the highest speed of any Ravens player of the year. So it's not Lamar Jackson, which you might think in one of his broken field runs that he might have reached high speed. It was it was Hurst who got to 20.5 miles per hour. And uh, that's really, you know, really shows you something. I'm want to go back to the run blocking for a second because there's something I want to say about this. I think he is miscast as an in-line run blocker. I don't think that's really where his his skills are. I think he's much better suited to being a in-the-backfield run blocker on the read option. Now, here's the difference. on When they run the read option, let's say he's, he's lined up on the right side of the V, and he's in the backfield, as opposed to being at the line of scrimmage. Well, the first thing they do is they allow that edge defender in without him being blocked. That means Hurst's target is a smaller man in level two or level three. The largest guy he'll ever have to block is a linebacker who he's going to outweigh by five to 10 pounds. If he goes and, and gets a safety, he's going to outweigh him by 40 pounds. If he finds a corner, he might outweigh, outweigh him by 60 pounds and he's got the speed to deal with that. He's, he's, he'd be among those three. There wouldn't be a discernible difference in speed or not too much of a difference, but anyway, he, he's certainly creates a blocking mismatch in level two or level three when he lines up in the backfield that way. And I really like that role for him. I think they found, you know, I I didn't really agree that much with a lot of the people who said he was a good blocker in year one. I didn't think they got really much out of him, but the problem was he's just not an inline blocker. He's, he's, he's made to block in level two or level three, kind of like a receiver and, and with the way they run the read option, he's, he's both a, a dangerous a uh, uh, blocker there and he can also obviously out of that formation also run a pattern just as well as anybody can and and get open in level two level three for a nice catch.
4: Yeah, i mean it's a great point I completely agree and so when you when it, when you boil it down, basically you're talking about a player who from the tight end position who can hit 20 plus miles per hour in the open field can line up in the backfield and someone you feel comfortable lining up as a receiver just to go make a catch. So, between those three qualities, obviously, extremely versatile. And I think there's reason I know Hurst is on the older side and he was as a rookie, but mm-hmm. he's he can still definitely there's still room for improvement, especially if the Ravens choose to make him more of a focal point in the offense next season and moving forward, which personally, I hope they do,
3: yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of usage too. I think you know it would be natural for him to increase his targets. He's a guy who maybe trade bait at some point during his rookie contract, and you, mm-hmm. you mentioned his age. But uh, given where he was, uh, you know, coming out, I think he's now—is he twenty-seven now or twenty-six uh, still? It's he's
4: twenty-six, and he's, his birthday is late August. I want to say I don't know why okay. I know that off the top of
3: my so head, but that's August August twenty-fourth. You're right. So he'll be twenty-seven in uh, for opening day. I, he's, he's not an obvious two contract player for the Ravens. and And that was one of the problems with drafting him is that there, there just wasn't a lot of secondary after friction value for a player like that, because when a player hits free agency at age, what he'll be 29, I guess, when that happens, well, he's a first right. round pick. They have the, they have the option as well. So it could even be later than that. But when a player hits free agency that late, you, you're first of all, you might be hesitant to use the 50 year option value so you lose some market friction there. but the second thing is you don't really want to commit to a long-term deal with a guy like that. So you know elements like the franchise tag and even if the guy's playing at a franchise level, you're buying into later years of of likely decline. So you know it's it's it is a factor the age he was drafted at is a significant factor in determining what this guy's value is going forward and it frankly it would just be, a better situation if Andrews is the obvious uh, signee for a second contract.
4: Yeah, 100%. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Hurst was the name who was floating around in the Jalen Ramsey trade rumors. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, I, I don't know if it was ever real, but obviously right. The what the Ravens traded to get uh, Peters was approximately 4 to 5% of what the draft capital traded to get. And I'm being... I'm being Conservative with that estimate, meaning I'm, I'm approximating on the high side um, uh, with regard to what they would have trade, had to trade to get Ramsey, given what the Rams gave up. Actually, just what the Rams gave up to get Ramsey, uh, you know, it was twenty times as much they gave up. And and I don't know why we would even trade Hayden Hurst plus what we gave up for Peters in exchange for Ramsey. That'd be that'd be a really close call at the at the best.
4: Yeah, definitely, but. Regardless of how much validity um, there was to those trade rumors about Ramsey, Hurst, you can make the case would start on at least off the top of my head. I want to say at least half of the teams in the NFL. Oh yeah, at more.
3: least
4: yeah, or probably more because I mean you're talking about a position in tight end, which is overall it's a thin position in the league, and a lot of teams don't really don't really utilize their tight ends that much because they simply, whether it be scheme or what have you, they simply don't have the talent in hurst hurst is a talented player for all the reasons we mentioned so if the ravens did look to trade him i definitely think there'd be a market for him from from a lot of teams around the league exactly what compensation they could get for him obviously that's up in the air and would remain to be seen but i think this is a big year for hurst if he can kind of emerge as as more of a a usage based in the higher percentage of usage in the offense then you're looking at someone who's going to stick around probably for, for the entirety of his rookie deal. But if not, then it wouldn't be surprising to see him playing elsewhere. Um, sometime in the next two to three seasons. All
3: right. You want to move on to Nick?
4: Yeah, sure. So, um, last but not least is Nick Boyle, who caught 31 passes this year for 321 yards, two touchdowns, um, both of which were the first two touchdowns of his career. Um, He's kind of the, the third cog in the team's three-headed monster, so to speak. But he did sign the three-year, $18 million extension um, over the summer. And from my eyes, and I'm imagining from your eyes as well, he he did everything he could to prove that you know he's worth that money, especially based on what his value is, not just as an individual player, but in this offense, he's extremely valuable because of his versatility – and blocking ability. Basically, the way I look at it is when you have Boyle lined up in the backfield or or on the line, he's basically an extra offensive lineman, mm-hmm. but one who's significantly more agile and athletic, particularly downfield um, in the second and third levels. And Boyle is just a, a very good blocker. But I also think that he kind of exceeded expectations, at least for me as a receiver this year. I wasn't him. I wasn't really expecting him to catch. 31 passes, definitely wasn't him expecting him to catch two touchdowns, let alone one. But all in all, I think it was a strong season for Boyle. And for me, frankly, one of my favorite moments of the season was against the Patriots when he did catch his first career touchdown. And I know it's kind of a minor moment in what was a historic season, but that was really cool
3: um, from my perspective. Right. I, I, I like the fact that Jackson was trying to get him a touchdown. That's that's just uh, it's a very good team thing. If right. you look at if you look at Boyle, this is, is a strange dichotomous player here, but he played seventy percent of the snaps. So for starters, that's telling you how important he is to the Ravens' run game, how important mm-hmm. he is to, to blocking. Andrews mm-hmm. played forty one percent of the snaps. I didn't look at Hurst uh, wh- while I was on him, but but you know he's he's getting by far the most snaps of any individual tight end. So that should tell you for starters how the Ravens value him. And then you mentioned he, you know, he caught 31 out of 43 balls this year, so extremely good catch, per, well, good catch percentage of 72.1% for a tight end. That's significantly better than than Andrews, and it's better than Boyle. If you look at, I sorry, and it's better than Hurst. If you look at his yards per, I'm sorry, Hurst was Hurst was better in terms of of, of catch percentage, but if you look at yards per target, uh, Boyle's actually ahead of Marquise Brown, 7.5 to 7.4. So. That's a you know that's a big difference there, in terms of of what he was supposed to give. Him. And a lot of people I think were, were really questioned the decision or the importance of the signing in the off mm-hmm. And I think I think he he totally lived up to it.
4: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, for a player I, like I'm Boyle, sorry. Let
3: me let me correct myself for a second. Right. Eight point two yards per target for for Brown. I'm wrong. So the seven seven point five was still less than Brown, but still very good for a blocking player. And I'm sorry, Frank, for interrupting you. I want to correct that first.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, and just branching off what you said just now, the fact that those two are even comparable in that stat is not something you would expect, but it speaks to Boyle. It speaks, I think, to his, you know, kind of underrated ability as a receiver. And I think we saw that at times throughout the season, but people were, were I guess, somewhat fair, at least to question, question, um, when the when Boyle was signed to the contract extension, it wasn't necessarily an extremely popular move, but it proved to be the right one, not just for this year, but I think moving forward, so long as the Ravens are running this sort of offense, um, and so long as Greg Roman is pulling the strings, Boyle, he's going to be playing the most snaps out of all the tight ends, and he's going to be doing a great job of whatever they ask him to do.
3: Yeah, he's a absolutely a terrific fit for Roman scheme, no doubt about that. And you know they've got so many players who exactly fit the scheme. You got to wonder what happens if there's an injury or something. I mean, Patrick Ricard is so good for this scheme, and Nick Boyle is so good for the scheme, and Hayden Hurst, in terms of you know running running from a from an H back fullback position in the backfield, uh, is very good for the scheme in terms of of finding the right block. And both tackles are benefiting from the scheme. Just boy, <laughs> what yeah. happens if there's an injury at some point? <laughs> So
4: just in that hypothetical scenario, let's say, I mean, obviously, God forbid, but if someone like Ricard were to get injured, do you think you could seemingly just slide Boyle into a similar role because of how good he is as a blocker? Or like, do you I, think there'd be a seamless transition, something like that?
3: I think they'd need Boyle in his current role. I think they'd right. probably have to go to the street to find a fullback to fit Ricard's role not as well. So I think mm. that's what they do. So they have the, the, the one European guy, I have always forget his name, who's, who we have a special exemption for an extra uh, practice squad spot for because mm. he's international. But that, that guy might get a shot if, um, if uh, Boyle were ever to, uh, sorry, if uh, Ricard were ever to go down. Or they might just go to the, the street. I mean, one of the nice things about losing a fullback is that there are a lot of them. You know, there aren't a lot of them that are being used right now in the NFL. You know, there's Jack and there's and there's Boyle and there's a handful of others. But there's a lot of guys out there who grew up playing fullback and, and, you know, blocking is really what they do well and they don't need to receive too much. I mean, they're out there and there aren't too many teams that use a fullback these days. So, you know. Yeah. At the,
4: at the same time, it's a position where you can seemingly convert someone, as we see mm-hmm. with Ricard, to play fullback even if it's not their natural position, because really if if you just fit the physical mold, all the other stuff kind of comes after that, which we saw with Ricard. And hopefully Ricard doesn't get injured, obviously. Not saying, hoping for that to happen. Just interesting to think um, what Boyle would offer in that sort of scenario. But nevertheless, obviously a strong season from Boyle. Definitely an underrated part um, of the Ravens' success overall.
3: So you got three guys here. What would be your strategy if you're the GM in terms of trying to find a backup of some sort? Maybe you're looking for a practice squad player. Maybe you're looking for a special teams player who actually makes the roster to back up what are essentially four positions, including Pat Ricard now.
4: Yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting thing that the cost is probably going to definitely have to look at. Um, I think at the very least, you want to have somebody who could fill in, basically not replicate, but but fill in exactly what the role is of either Andrews, Hurst, or Boyle, right? So you want to have someone in-house and available should one of those players get da- go down with injury or what or whatnot. Then you have someone who can step up. So if Andrews were to get hurt, then you have a capable receiver who can step in in the depth chart. Or if Hurst were to get hurt, then you have someone who can step in and kind of fill in his role, and so on. Same with Boyle. Um, I I was a little high on... I believe there was two tight ends that the Ravens had um, on the practice squad and throughout the offseason. Their names are slipping me. Was it, is it Cole Herdman? Was that? Yeah, Cole Herdman. Yeah, and then there was one other one who who kind of showed some flashes Who whose name is slipping me. But either of those guys are, are probably good options to keep around in-house um, and serve as extra bodies throughout training camp. But yeah, that, that's kind of where I would look.
3: Yeah, I didn't see if Herdman actually signed with another team this season and was playing somebody somewhere because he certainly might have. Uh, yeah, I didn't even
4: think about that. You might be right. Yeah,
3: I, I don't see him listed with another team here, so it could well be that he lasted uh, or, <laughs> or, or, or maybe that he got injured. I'm not sure. So uh, anyway, uh, Frank, we appreciate you coming on again. Why don't you tell people where they can find your writing and find you on Twitter in particular?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find my personal Twitter account um, at frankjp zero. That's the number zero. And you can find all my uh, all my articles over at Baltimore Beatdown. Um, I encourage you to check out the site and everyone, all your listeners, because uh, we're doing some good stuff over there. We have a great Baltimore Beatdown podcast. So if anyone wants to check that out as well, um, all good stuff. And I appreciate you having me on and go Ravens.
3: All right. Thanks for coming on, Frank. Again, we're, we're we're trying to pitch the notion. If you want to do a film study short with me, I'd love to have you, particularly if you've done any first principles analysis of your own. Maybe you want to talk about draft picks of some college players. Maybe you want to talk about free agents you think the Ravens ought to target. Uh, whatever the case may be, I'm happy to have you on. We'll have a little discussion just like we, we, we had here with Frank about his writing. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
0: fans by fans find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com